Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. In this episode, writer-director Elizabeth Chomko and actor Robert Forster discuss their new film, What They Had, with moderator Janelle Riley from Variety. This conversation was recorded during the film's opening weekend at the Landmark in Los Angeles. Good evening, everyone. My name's Janelle Riley. I'm so thrilled to welcome you to this Q&A with What They Had. At this time, please join me in welcoming uh, two of the remarkable artists who brought this movie to life, writer-director Elizabeth Chomko and star Robert Forster. Thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on a beautiful movie. Um, whenever I have people as accomplished as, as you are, uh, I like to start by you know bringing them down to peg and, and, and asking, what was your first job in this business? The first time you felt you you know were a member of Hollywood. Oh, mine is probably less exciting than yours. So why don't I well, start? I thought you were. I thought you were. Um, go right ahead. Oh well, I I don't have anything. Inter- well, I my. My first job was a. I'm, I'm not accomplished. This is my first accomplishment, really. So, but I, I, um, I did play. Uh, I did was on CSI, uh, which has, uh, which has been very good for me, and um, <laughs> helped sponsor this movie. And um, I, I played a, a stripper with chlamydia. Really? <laughs> what a way to start off this Q and A. This is not really where it usually just starts. But I'm delighted to go. Did here. you commit the crime in it, or were you just? A no, witness? I was the dead body, of course. Were you really? Of course. I was to be a dead body. That's so cool. <laughs> it was cool. I I was there the whole week, you know, because they I was alive in parts of it, but then I was yeah. dead the rest, and so I got to spend a whole week on set and and like with the makeup artist and you know, getting painted like a dead body. And it was really educational. <laughs> so, you know, it taught me a lot about movie making, storytelling and movie making. That's so great. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Was your uh, first job as glamorous? Uh, my first job was a bit in the New York City subways. Um, and what was the name of the guy? Uh, he played, uh, um, oh, guy we all know, television guy. Anyway, it was a movie and it was a bit. And uh, it wasn't much. Uh, and then I got a good job. I, uh, I got a Broadway play. Oh, wow. Which so, one? Mrs. Daly Has a Lover. Oh, sure. Okay. 1965. Um, I'm sure there are some people here who were not born. You weren't. <laughs> um, and um, and it, was, uh, it was, there's an awful lot of luck in this business. Mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes you wait. The longer you wait, the more opportunities you have to catch something really good. And at this point in my career, this is the uh, the nicest thing that I, except for Jackie Brown and the Descendants and uh, David Lynch and one or two others, this is surely the best thing I have ever been in. That's nice. You're, uh... Thank you, Robert. You're in good company there, Quentin Tarantino, David Lynch, uh, Alexander Payne. I have that that speechless, really, but thank you. <laughs> so as you mentioned, and it might surprise some of you to know, this is your feature directorial debut, which is, it's kind of shocking to me because it is so accomplished. And from what I understand, there are some autobiographical elements. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was inspired to write the script um, based on things that happened in my family. My grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's at 68, and she and my grandfather had the most beautiful love affair uh, from when they were teenagers, and I was just so 
devastated by the way that it ended. You know, she just sort of slowly forgot him and until he surrendered. <laughs> and I just couldn't bear that being the the end of their story. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote it from that place initially and not really for this moment. I didn't ever anticipate being here with this person next to me or any of you in front of me. I wrote it really for my mom and, and for my brothers and for myself to work out my own grief and make a memory, change, you know, like make a memory that didn't, wouldn't go away. Mm-hmm. So um, that was really where it began and that was seven years ago. Wow. And am I wrong or was your mom actually not thrilled at first when you wrote about it? Did I make that up? <laughs> no, yes. I <laughs> No, I wrote the first draft really fast, like in three days, really nuts, you know, three days and the first draft is terrible. I read back and read it and it's not good. But um, <laughs> but some of the things are there, like this, the structure's there and the voices are just starting. But it's a, obviously conflict and you know broad strokes and caricatures and i sent it to her and she i think being like oh my god mom look i look what i did i like you know i've immortalized our family and she didn't talk to me for four weeks (laughs) (laughs) and i you know i just i finally called her and i was like hey did you read that thing she was all like chipper-ish you know as the midwesterners do and chipper chipper-ish and then i said did you ever read that thing and then she got really quiet and then she like kind of you know started to cry i just think it's yeah. hard to see that mirror especially at a place this was like six months after my grandfather had passed away oh wow yeah and i think that it was just still very raw but after that she really became you know she saw i think once we spoke and once she heard that i this was just the beginning you know and it also helped me push to make it better i could not let her down after that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so she really became a wonderful sounding board and um had her has her hands all over this and her she and i wrote a song that's at the end of the film that you can see um here another time you know when it, another time it's at the, over the closing credits um so yeah you wrote it together my mom and i yes wow, and uh, so songwriter cool. eva o'donovan who currently touring with i'm with her uh and robert i'm curious how did the script find its way to you and, and what spoke to you about this story the um, the script came as most do. Your agent says uh, I'm sending you something, and this is a gem. They said, and when I wrote read it, I recognized my my biggest jackass in it, um, and so I said, "This is me. I can do this," and uh, and it's you know, uh, the dialogue was so close to what I remember hearing in my home and in my neighborhood. I come from Rochester, New York, and when people accuse me of being from Chicago, I always say, yes, I am from Chicago, the very eastern edge, Rochester, New York. (laughs) It is an accent that I believe uh, uh, goes from Wisconsin and all the way through Chicago and Buffalo and uh, and Rochester, and and it's... And so, it is uh, is what I remember uh, and who I am. Um, and I'm a father of uh, four. I claim to be a father over 200 years, if you count up the ages of my children. <laughs> and um, and I, uh, I was a single father for uh, 21 years. So I'm I'm a parent, and I have uh, cared for my dad uh, at the very end. And so I uh, I recognize an awful lot in this script that I uh, that I felt was um, you know as much my story as it is Elizabeth's story. 
Um, and, and there you go. We're, it's, a, it's the human condition. It is caring for others mm -hmm. until you can no longer care for yourself and need to rely on the ones you parented. You better do a good job, Bob. I want to talk about the amazing Blythe Danner, who, um, speaking of gems, she's she's such a wonderful actress, and she's so great in this movie. Um, and Robert, I was trying to think. For some reason, in, in my mind, it makes sense that you guys are married in this movie. <laughs> I see you as a couple. Did you know her at all, and, and how did you build that chemistry so quickly? We had played um, uh, husband and wife in a television series called Huff. Now, I had very few scenes with her, but... Um, when actors arrive on a set, that is one of the obligations. You achieve immediate intimacy. Uh, you cannot uh, roll into it. You gotta jump on it right away. And, uh, and so whatever the first scene is that they, um, that, that's on the schedule, you assume the, uh, the, the knowledge and the life that you've already lived. And uh, that's you know what being an actor is all about. Mm -hmm. And in so many ways, um, Chicago is kind of a character in this movie, like as someone who's only, you know, been there a little bit, but all my friends who are from Chicago love this movie and, and talk about how authentic it is. Um, and they pro you guys probably did have to become a pretty close-knit unit quickly, because I'm assuming you didn't have trailers or, you know, certain luxuries. We had uh, two or three bangers, they call them, uh, you know, but they were far from the, uh, from the location. So we, many of us, uh, many days hung out all day long in the, uh, in the one or the other of the bed, whichever was not being used. There were rooms in the apartment that were not being used and that's where we hung out. Uh, and eventually somebody would say, uh, time to move and we would move somewhere else. But uh, it, was, uh, it was a short shoot. 20 days uh, wow. in, in Chicago. And, uh, and so you shoot every single day, try to get your shots, and uh, make sure that if you, if you fail to get your shots, everybody here probably understands how movies are made. You just don't have that film when you come to cut it together. So mm -hmm. got to get every shot. Uh, I want to talk about the tone of this movie because it's obviously dealing with very serious subject matter that I think probably everyone can relate to on some level. But then there is also this very real humor that, like I said, it feels very real. Sometimes the most serious situations, funny things happen. Um, how did you go about striking that balance? Did you have to find it on the page? Was it partially when you were shooting, relying on the actors? And was there always the intention to have that levity? Um, yes, uh, uh, there, it was something that I had always intended. I think because when my grandmother first was diagnosed, I, you know, my, I grew up in Chicago and really wanted to make it feel like this love poem to this, my hometown. I left when I was 14 and always, you know, always the anticipation of going back and never did. So this was my way of kind of going back. And I, and my, uh, my Midwestern family, we would, we were very serious Catholics, but everything else was not serious. Everything else was just, we were never, we were always teasing and kind of sweeping every conflict under the rug with a bunch of jokes and, you know, and just, I, and I loved that as a kid. Mm -hmm. I loved hanging out with my uncles and having them tease, tease me and me tease back and kind of one-upping each other with who could send the zinger out, you know. We just laughed like crazy and, and I thought once my grandmother was diagnosed we would lose that. How could anything be funny? You know, if she's just there not able to recognize us, how could anything be funny? And it wasn't that way at all. Mm -hmm. We laughed harder and louder, I think, the way you do when you know your heart is about to break. 
when you know what you stand to lose. And we laughed the way, th the way through it just as she did, you know, because you don't want to acknowledge that it's, that this is how, you know, you don't want to change anything. You don't want to kid glove it, right? So that was such an unexpected thing about her disease, and there were many other unexpected things, but that, that was something I really wanted to, to capture, because I think if I'd seen a movie like this where, where we didn't lose our joy, and where we could sort of still appreciate each other and laugh our way through it, I think I might have had a little more hope. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so it was all, you know, it was, and I just love character-based humor, you know, like, that, so that I was something I really wanted to capture on the page, and then in in shooting the movie, its tone is so important as a director to really make sure we're all making the same movie, and just trying to dial into that laughter through tears, walking that tightrope, which is something I only feel with family, you know, when you're laughing until you're sobbing. <laughs> um, so, and what was it like on set? Because I know you're making an independent film, you have a small budget, you have very few shoot days. Um, but was there levity on set? Did you have a good time with your co-stars? Uh, oh, sure. You know, listen, uh, actors get along, and uh, or they go by themselves and uh, do their do their own little thing or or take a nap. Uh, <laughs> but um, just to just to reiterate, uh, there were a lot of things on the page that I knew were going to be funny, and uh, and those are the things that balance uh, the tears. And uh, I did my. The, the line that I was most enjoyed in the picture was um, when she said, and we did it the last day in the car when I tell her, uh, she asked me, uh, well, where's the Camry? And I tell her, I'm 75 years old, Biddy, fuck the Camry. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I kept waiting for that, and we finally shot it on the last day of the shoot. <laughs> they saved it till the end. They well, yeah, it was sort of accidental that <laughs> we saved it. But we got it, so it's all good. Uh, I do want to take some questions from the audience. If you have any, just raise your hand. We'll start right there. Pat and Cliff, tell us the backstory. Pat and Cliff? Um, well, that's my grandparents. Oh. I really wanted to, you know, I really made this movie for them. And for, you know, my, our family, and um, you know, so, and that Bird and Ruth, the other characters are very much me in a lot of ways, but Bird and Ruth are really, I wanted to capture them as closely as I could. I just had a really hard time letting them go, wasn't ready, and I, and I just wanted to find a workaround for that, you know, um, cheat death in some way, and making this movie was that. <laughs> I got to spend more time with them. I got to time travel, and and they're there, you know. And I, it's like the greatest gift I could have ever gone through. So, uh, uh, was your grandfather um, still with us when when you were working on this movie? Like, did he know you wanted to tell this story? Um, no, I. So the I don't talk about this because I don't want to give away the ending. But now that you've all seen it, <laughs> I can share that I, you know I was at his funeral. Um, and he died not as dramatically as this, but rather suddenly at the kind of the moment where it was like, we have to move grandma out. It's time, you know, there's really no getting around it anymore. And he just, just, you know, he just sort of faltered and then just, you know, it was very unexpected. And I was sitting at that funeral listening to my mother give her eulogy, which was very similar to the eulogy here, a story that I had never heard before. And I'm in this Catholic church and I'm, I suddenly have this crazy 
like voice. It's like, well, this is a movie. Somebody's making this movie. Somebody's here that's making this movie. And of course, I looked around this church in Illinois for the somebody, <laughs> you know, and um, it didn't occur to me it would be me. And then six months later, I just figured out, like, I don't think anyone else is doing this. So uh, that's where it all started. You know, I think acting is a challenging enough job as is, but when you know you're making something that is so personal to the filmmaker, um, do you feel like an extra responsibility in portraying someone that you know is, you know, based on someone close to her? Um, maybe, uh, but it was on the page and I recognized who it was and I, um, Elizabeth gave me her father's gold chain and cross that was his and, uh, and he was, you know, that connection was, uh, was right there. Um, but you feel an obligation to the story and to the material and, um, and any, if you have any questions, you can ask the source. Yeah. So that is one of the best things about working with a writer-director. Mm -hmm. You don't have to uh, wonder, what did they mean? You can say, what did you mean? <laughs> but also, I, Robert was perfect. You know, he, I knew from the moment I sort of stopped seeing my grandfather and started to think about who might. It was Robert always. And mm -hmm. I really feel that way about the whole cast. I got, I can't believe I got so lucky that these were the perfect people and then that they are such i couldn't have dreamed for more talented performers mm -hmm. i just i'm flabbergasted on my first film like i would have been over the moon on my 10th to have this group <laughs> so we have another sure right there in the middle um so you said that the first round with your mom she didn't take to it very well but how has the family been now since they've seen this well, m many of my uncles saw it at Sundance, and um, then we all, we just came, Robert and I just came from a long tour of, of, of publicity, and we had a, a screening in Chicago. So 73 of my family and, wow. <laughs> and friends and everyone who ever knew Pat and Cliff came to the screening, and, um, you know. They loved it. They loved it. <laughs> they all loved it. It's really amazing. We loved it, and um, yeah. That's so. going to be more nerve-wracking than the Sundance far audience. More. Yeah. Far more. That was the scariest part, always, yeah. was my family. Yeah. You know, scariest part. Uh, sure, down there. Um, yeah, thank you. Wonderful movie. Um, really captures a lot of emotion and a lot of family humor and connection. How difficult, so it sounds like you had, like, Life Danner in mind, or did you? Yes. Oh, wow. Because this is your first movie? So how, yes. Yeah. So how difficult was it to get this gentleman and Blake Danner right. and uh, Hilary Swank and Michael Shannon, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did you assemble this amazing cast? Good question. Um, well, I mean, I it was like somebody told me that I should just shoot for the moon, you know, and then when you don't get those people, then you then you have at least have a sort of frame of reference for who to go for, the, you know, and... Um, I won the Academy Nickel Fellowship in 2015 with the screenplay, and that really changed my world and the project's world. Um, it got us wonderful producers, Albert Berger and Ron Yerksa, who are like legends in the indie film space and just have wonderful reputations. And then that enabled people to have confidence in me and the agents to start sending it to people like Robert and to Hillary, who came on first and really believed in you know, believed in me and believed in the script and, um, 
you know, and that all just then once Hillary said yes, then it was like, you know, more confidence and everybody wanted to work with, who doesn't want to work with Hillary Swank? So it just all really, I lucked out, really. And, you know, I just, it really all kind of fell into place in a magical way. And that, doesn't, you know, wasn't really hard because it was, but, you know, it really, I, a lot of people believed and it, it took that. The script, it's all in the script. The script attracted everybody. And uh, your producers and uh, your other actors, everybody was uh, captured by the script. Mm -hmm. I mean, you must read a lot of scripts. I mean, do you do you know when you found something special? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, uh, your agent called it a gem. And uh, and it was. Yeah. Uh, and I I never heard her say that before. Really? No, no, they don't oversell it. Uh, or I'm, sh I'm not sure what all agents do, but <laughs> mine does not oversell stuff. Uh, and, um, but this one she, uh, she sent with a, uh, you know, a telephone call and we're sending over a gem. And wow. it was. Can I ask how long have you been with that agent? Gee, a long time. I don't know. In the 13, 15 years. That's just amazing to, you, to me that that's the first time she's ever used that word. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Want to take a couple more down there? Yes, you. Sorry. <laughs> um, are you allowed to share what your budget was? And I noticed at the end, it's. Um, I'm assuming this was a, a William Morris package. Budget and packaging. Can I say <laughs> are you something? allowed to say? Sure. I made a little <laughs> tiny movie once, and I was told by everybody who was selling the movie, lie to the high side. <laughs> really. You don't want people, yes, in terms of budget, you don't want people to believe that it only costs you da-da-da-da. You, right. you want them to believe it costs that much because they're trying to sell it for that much. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what the budget was. All I know was it was pretty small. It was small. I can't, I, don't, I shouldn't, without getting in trouble, I wouldn't, I, don't, I can't really say exact numbers, but um, it was a small, small, <laughs> small. You know, we had 20, 20 days, we ended up with 21, 10, 20 days in Chicago, and then a day and a half in LA to shoot those sort of the, you know, the turkey scene and, you know, some of those LA exteriors, which was important to me, and that was amazing. But, and then shooting in Chicago ate up a lot of our budget because we didn't shoot somewhere like, you know, like Toronto or something. It was tricky and, um, so yeah, it wasn't a lot. Uh, uh, well, and William Morris. I mean, Hillary's a William Morris client, and wondering yes. if it was just kind of all packaged there, or because you know at the end credits, WME won't usually put their. Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm assuming it was. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't. Uh, I, I, it, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so let's take a question there in the middle. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, what would you say is the biggest obstacle, something you didn't expect, the biggest curve? Ah, an unexpected obstacle. Every day, every single day, there was something that didn't go, every, you know, every day, there was something that I was like, holy F, this is going to ruin the movie. <laughs> How do I solve this problem? How do we solve this problem? There was just something every day. Um, and that was what I didn't, I don't think I anticipated. Mm. Just the challenge, the grueling challenge of of making a movie, probably on any scale. So, yeah. That's interesting, though, because, I mean, as the cast, did you ever feel that? Or did you always feel like 
everything was going smoothly. No, the cast is ordinarily held away from the problems. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? Uh, I tried. <laughs> yes. And, and whatever the problems might have been, the cast are uh, generally not involved in uh, knowing yeah. about them. If, But we knew we lost the church, and uh, we knew we were scrambling for a church. The hospital we lost. Yes, we, yeah. we lo lost the hospital the very f first scene that uh, or when the kids come come roaring in and I didn't want them to be there. Uh, that was uh, a surprise location, yeah, right? Yeah, the night before we lost so, them. Sometimes you lose locations, and, uh, and, 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 but we, don't, we generally don't know about it until mm -hmm. later, maybe. Right. <laughs> and you just roll with it, I guess. I just, that's what actors do. The, yes. Yeah. You, uh, you just concentrate on your work for today and tomorrow mm -hmm. so that when tomorrow comes, uh, you are prepared for that. Uh, it's, uh, but I you think know. having such veterans as well really helped because we were even talking before we get, got here about the car there was like a thing with the car that i thought was going to ruin the movie and <laughs> then you know and when you have amazing and i was so terrified of the actors coming on set and being like why did you sign off on this you know and me be looking like a just a schmuck and they you know you didn't and not only that but you saved it right like you just this is the thing like the good idea can come from anywhere mm -hmm. and always does it's the dolly grip that saves it or you know or the actor or the focus puller that's like what about this and it's just trying to make the magic yeah. and that's kind of the fun of it it's such a high pressure fun <laughs> so you have to kind of be an adrenaline junkie but but that's the beauty like the, making the magic and whatever walks in on the day uh, Robert, you've worked with so many amazing directors over your career. I'm kind of curious. Um, what do you what do you look for in a director? What do you hope for when you show up on set that first day? Ah, uh, yes, I have a test for directors. Uh, if they recognize a good take when they see it and are able to say cut, print, move on. If they are scared and do too many takes. Um, you uh, you you begin to worry, but uh, if uh, if a director and you know we got all our shots and we did not uh, scrimp on anything and we didn't go into the middle of the night, uh, so it was not a it was a real uh, actually a good shoot um, with any problems that existed. But my test for a director is if on the first day they know enough to say cut print, move on to the next shot, I am uh, very gratified to know that I'm in the hands of somebody who recognizes mm -hmm. a good take. Mm -hmm. um, well, I want to remind everyone, obviously you're here Sorry. so you know this, <laughs> uh, but this movie is now in theaters. Please do spread the word as it'll sort of be expanding over the few weeks. If um, you liked it. <laughs> and if you didn't like it, lie. Um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. If you want to hear more conversations with filmmakers about the latest independent, foreign, and documentary films opening at Landmark Theatre's, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit our podcast website at landmarktheatres.podbean.com. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of Q&As and other exclusive content. See you next time.